This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, look, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The next the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins. I am tying my tongue in complete confusion. I have no idea how the Oregon men pulled off a miracle in Las Vegas. That was a much better take, Matt. That was that take three, take two? Probably probably take, take, take five, take, take six. <laughs> I practice uh, sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, need the practice. That's the beauty of podcasts. We can screw up and go, eh, let's edit that. <laughs> Not like live radio where you're like, crap, that's on there. Yeah. That one's sticking. You know what's funny? Uh, we've got a lot to get to today. I'm really excited. Talk duck football during their off week uh, interview with the equipment manager the for equipment the Oregon guru. football team. Yeah. Kenny Farr. Kenny Farr. Kenny's a stud. That's going to be a blast. Also, the obvious of, of brackets and basketball and all the madness that it's about to ensue this week. But... You mentioned the difference between live and tape. Yes. Most people in my position hate live. They prefer tape. I hate tape and prefer live. Uh, yeah, I actually prefer live too, I think, as well. And I like, well, I like being interviewed when um, I kind of don't know the questions because I feel it's a little bit more... Um, I don't want to say truthful. I try and be truthful all the time, but I just think, you know, it's a little bit more genuine. I like being interviewed and kind of going into it blind and not uh-huh. knowing the questions ahead of time. Yeah. But I enjoy this too. I mean, we, you know, like it's our podcast. We can talk about goats if we want to talk about goats right now, <laughs> just because we can. It doesn't matter. And we're filling time and people, you know, are in their cars driving or they're sitting at work or they're running or whatever they're doing and uh-huh. thinking, man, I need some way to waste an hour out of my life. I'll listen to Matt and Justin. You know, so we get to provide that. Well, luckily, it's them. not a waste. And, and that was really insightful, by the way. Now I got to think about that. The next time you go on 1080 and they ask you about beer. Yeah, that's clearly the uh, the spur of the moment question they throw. at Well, you. That, that one's not. But what makes that one hard is I drink so much beer and so many <laughs> different beers that I have to come up with like the one that really caught my attention that week. So like I've been on drinking three magnets the last uh last couple nights because i went and bought a couple cans at beer works and they had some specialty one-offs there so that would probably be my answer on that one um but yeah you know when when it comes down to beer i'm ready to roll i got racer five ipa in the keg at home right now i'm ready to roll beer and football justin hopkins and some basketball and some hoops. That's yeah. right. That's right. I mean, this story is absolutely incredible, and I can't wait to get into it. Do you want to start with Kenny Farr, or do you want to look at football first? Well, why don't we? Uh, yeah, why don't we just? Uh, I don't care. Football or basketball. We'll give Kenny a few minutes to sit there and and get ready. But yeah, we could go football. But I, I mean, I, I could sit here and keep watching Peyton Pritchard's dunk. I just keep watching it over and over. That was amazing. Like in disbelief. I said the other night, when I think back to that Final Four team. The, the part that always made me chuckle is when they would get up like 25 and they'd bring in Charlie Noble yeah. as a walk-on. <laughs> that everybody loved. Yeah, everybody loved him. The student section would cheer for him, but he was a walk-on. He right. was like the 12th guy off the bench. And the Peyton Pritchard dunk is the equivalent of that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're, just when you think that game 
couldn't be going any better, talking about against Washington in the final there. You think, oh, this game couldn't be going any better. Next thing you know, he freaking breaks out a left-handed dunk, and you're like, wait, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I mean, that was freaking awesome. I love his moxie. I love just the fact he was like, you know what? I have a feeling if it was anybody else but Washington, he probably wouldn't have done it. Uh-huh. But Washington in the final and, you know, them talking a little bit of trash before the game, he was kind of like, eh, here you go. U-dub. I think it's established now, if you wear purple and gold, don't piss off the Ducks. Don't piss, yeah. That's re- it's, I mean, people talk about rivalries, and we you know we joke about Oregon, Oregon State, man, but Oregon-Washington is just on a, like, that is a true hatred rivalry. Uh-huh. I mean, just absolute hate, on any sport. Like, Oregon got smashed in baseball, you know, two out of three games. I think they gave up 19 one, runs in one of them. But they won the last one, and that's what Oregon fans are talking about. It's like, yeah, walk off <laughs> RBI single or whatever it was that won the game. Uh, you know, that's what Oregon fans remember, not the fact that they lost the other two. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's the, that's a rivalry. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, they don't remember getting smashed when they wore the Oregon Trail jerseys a few years back. They just remember Kenny Wooten dancing to the end zone, Jerry Allen losing his mind, and of course the uh, surrender cobra last year oh yeah no all of that and i mean just i you know like you know you i could post on scoop duck i could post on the board about the dunk against washington pritchard's dunk against washington and it, you know we'll have 50 comments on it and then you can go and post about the beavers not even making the nit tournament in basketball and it's kind of like eh. i mean it just tells you where the rivalries are at mm-hmm. i mean yeah you know Oregon State's got to elevate their sports a little bit. Well, I think that's part of it, too, is there's a respect factor of you respect Washington football with Chris Peterson. Right. You might not like that team. You should respect he's a darn good football coach. And you don't like Husky basketball. Do you respect what they've done? Right. First-year coach installing that Syracuse zone. They're a good team. Yes. And you're thrilled that the Ducks just crushed them. Right. Two two out of the last two meetings, yeah. in fact. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, absolutely crushed him. Yeah, crushed him. No, it was great. It, it was great. I, I, you know, as far as or as far as Oregon, I guess we'll just talk talk basketball. That's what we're doing. As far as Oregon men's basketball goes, I think they got a good draw going to San Jose. You know, Wisconsin's a beatable team. They're a good team, but they're a beatable team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at least if you're going to look at the twelve versus fives, that's a that's a favorable one for Oregon. And again, you're in the in the uh, you know in San Jose to start at least. I, I, that's got to be about as good as it gets for Oregon, all things considered. Yeah. Yeah, I'll share my thoughts a little bit later as we'll resurrect, lock it in. Oh, yeah. That's right. Have to bring it back. That's that's coming up it's a little been, later. It's been a while. Pod. Yeah, been a while since we've had to lock it in. But we've got something to lock. Uh, football, hoops. Again, Kenny Farr, football equipment administrator for the Oregon football program. That's going to be an awesome interview coming up. Uh, let's look at this team on the gridiron. Off week, but some insightful stories nonetheless. So I love this story, Justin. It's an off week for the Oregon coaches. Players are kicking back on spring break, trying to get a little bit of rest before the spring game. No rest for Mario Cristobal. He takes the staff and they go to Bama. Yep. On their off week? Right. That's crazy. Yeah. No no days off for Coach Cristobal. And I mean that's what you do. You know, these are <clears throat> those are what you consider professional development days. And uh, 
you know, I know a lot of fans kind of, well, why would you go see Bama? Why'd you go see Georgia? Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, the only way, you know, to get better is to learn, you know, from the best and what they're doing. And I think, you know, uh, there's two things. You, you go down and you identify, let's, each program, you probably go down and identify maybe one, two, maybe three things that they're doing you're not doing. Think, oh, how can we implement that into mm-hmm. what we're doing? Or would that work for us? You know, secondly. And the second thing is you go down and you see probably two, three, four, maybe more things that they're doing that you're doing, which really just kind of solidifies like, hey, you know, Bama Georgia is doing it. I can see why we're, you know, why we're doing it. This, this is, you know, this is an important part of the process. And whatever the case might be, it might be something lifting. It might be a particular workout. It might be the way the coaches break down film. Who knows? It could be a number of things. But yeah, I think, I think uh, those are the kind of the two key elements from going to do that. What impresses me about that so often with coaching trees we like to pretend that there's a lineage so like the bowdens everybody will always compare the bowden kids to their dad and right. think that it's a similar program but it might not be they might not have learned under their dad they might have learned under somebody else mario cristobal is often compared to nick saban people often say well it's the alabama of the west right that's the goal and I really believe that is the goal. I see that lineage there, and I think it's restored and and built upon, upgraded every time he does something like this. Yeah, I, I mean, why wouldn't you want to be the Alabama of the West? I mean, you know, I know Clemson's, you know, starting to get into the national championship picture, you know, a little more here, obviously won last year. Uh, but, I mean, Alabama's in the championship game every year, it seems like, you mm-hmm. know, and, and deservedly so. So, yeah, if there's somebody to learn after, it's, you know, it's Nick Saban. Now, I, I think Mario Cristobal puts his own twist on, you know, his program and how he does some things. But there are a lot of things he's taken away from that program and the way they do things um, that he's brought to Oregon. And more importantly, to the point, if you can become Alabama of the West, again, as I've said before, you got a clear path to, to the uh, national title game. I yes. mean, you are not competing week in and week out with Georgia's and, 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 and schools of that nature. I think... You know, right now with with USC being where they're at, uh, Stanford's in a bit of a lull lately, a little bit. Not the elite elite team they've been at, at certain times. UCLA certainly down. Uh, you know, right now it just really seems like it's Oregon versus Washington uh, for the conference. Yeah, UCLA. I love an abbreviation that I read on Scoop Duck the other day. They are the University of Chemeketa. Lancaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, to me, the difference with the Pac-12, Stanford is a good team. David Shaw is a good coach. Great, yeah. Chris, Chris Peterson and Washington, you can say the same about them. Obviously, Mario Cristobal in Oregon, you can say the same thing about them. But the bottom of the Pac-12 would get crushed by the mid of the SEC. Yeah. Like, like from the mid to the top, there is a complete difference in talent. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I I think uh you know as much as as much as we pick on Larry Scott who deservedly does get picked on. Uh there is realistically there is a disparity, you know, in those lower teams, those mid to lower teams as you said. Now, I do think that, you know, on a good year, on a good year, uh, a USC or a Oregon or a Stanford or a Washington uh, overall can compete with that top end of the SEC. I do believe that, but uh, you know, overall, top to bottom, there's no doubt. And uh, you know, again, if you're if you're Oregon, 
and you want you know becoming the Alabama of West is a, is a I mean that's just that's basically putting yourself in position to win the conference year in and year out mm-hmm. and potentially play for championships. It's, yeah, I mean it, it's a no brainer in my mind. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. It, it really sets you up to be the school on the West Coast, especially with the decline of USC. And the recruiting will follow. That's the key. Like it, this is, you know, it's all a vicious cycle. You, you know, in order to recruit well, you've got to play well. If you play well, you recruit better. I mean, it's just it's this vicious cycle that just goes and goes. And you know, once you kind of, I think you see it at Alabama now, and now Clemson a little too. Once you kind of start that snowball and it gets big enough, it's really hard to slow to slow down that damn snowball. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's what Oregon's building towards. But the snowball doesn't get bigger in one year. It takes time and it takes these processes. All right, so that's the process for Mario Cristobal and his staff visiting Bama, visiting Georgia, trying to learn. How do we match up with the blue chips in college football? Back on campus, there were two really interesting interviews this week. Justin Herbert spoke with the media, I want to say Friday, and raved about just a litany of receivers that have improved this offseason. Uh, high praise for Justin Collins, Brian Addison, who I know you like, also Isaiah Crocker, Josh Delgado, and I, I, I love that. I think in an Oregon receiving core that is wide open, the fact that those guys are grinding and getting better is good news for Oregon football. Um, it, it is, you know, on on the surface, I want to take those comments and 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 wholeheartedly believe in them. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, through the grapevine, I've heard receivers have been inconsistent inconsistent at times. So to me, uh, you know, I guess being if you're just a you know a casual fan that reads those comments and yeah, you're excited about. It, I think it's it's great. And I uh, and in no way would I ever imagine Justin Herbert does an interview and he belittles his wide receiver core oh no that's not his character yeah no i mean i'm certainly believing that he's doing that not to be uh, deceiving he's doing it to you know promote confidence to promote chemistry to just show that he's got their backs at every turn um you know but right now there's a lot of those receivers that really need to step up um you know drops continue to kind of be an issue here and there that's something that i've mentioned on scoop duck um you know in some vip articles last couple weeks um, that's something that they've, that they've got to clean up. But I do love that Herbert's still confident in them. You know, I do believe all those guys are in there working. And I, I, I just like, you know, we've mentioned so many other things being a process. Just because Oregon hired a new receiver coach doesn't mean he comes in and suddenly the drops are gone. He's ultimately still working with the same starting three. The the the, the starting three for most of the practices that we've heard about continue to be Schooler, you know, Johnny Johnson. Uh, Jalen Red. Well, they played significantly last year, and all three had drops at certain times. That doesn't get fixed just because you know Coach Booknight showed up a month and a half ago. So, hopefully, that process continues. Um, I know those guys are working hard, and I think the the biggest difference will be discipline. If Coach Booknight can bring in some discipline, we know Micah Pittman's coming in in a couple weeks to start pushing those guys even harder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Josh Delgado. I know he's one of those guys working really hard out there. Um, you know, those young guys coming in and really pushing those veterans uh, in a positive way only make that room better. So drops an issue for Oregon. You've highlighted discipline. Do you think that's a one to one where you boost the discipline, you fix the drops? <laughs> no, I think the discipline, the the way I, the way I mentioned it, uh, the bigger problem that that created was uh, guys not 
uh, being at the right position. Guys, not you know if, if if they needed to go you know five yards and out, they were going four and out. I mean, all those things become mm. critical components of a game. Yeah. We take it for granted. We assume that because the ball was right there and he couldn't nearly catch it, that was the right play. It might not have been. Yeah. No. So, if, if you're ahead on the route, that'll throw the timing off. Yeah. There's so many little. I and I think you know there were missed blocks. There. You've heard Mario Cristobal talk about, it, and I think that's the bigger issue when it comes to discipline. I don't think guys like Schooler and Johnny Johnson show up to practice and screw around. It doesn't appear to be their nature. Um, but in you know, if you go into the meeting room and your your you know receiver coaches up at the board drawing things out or whatever, and you're not taking notes and paying attention, that's a discipline thing. I mean, you guys, those guys, got to be engaged. They've got to have it down. And if your wide receiver coach is not holding you accountable to do those things properly. Then there's, you know, it's like being a parent. If you don't teach your kid the right way to do it and don't give them punishment for it, they're not going to learn. There's no reason to. Yeah. Uh, you know, similar thing for receivers. I love that analogy because it paints Coach Booknight not as a bad parent, but as a teacher who wonders, how do I reach these kids? Right. They got bad parents. Yeah. And that's the key. It, you, you know, as well as I do, communication's everything. So, you know, being able to, uh, and we've, we've even heard uh, Coach Feld come on and talk about being able to, uh, you know, communicate with people in in their language, the way that they learn, the way that they understand is is critically important. And, and that's all things through life. We're talking about football, but, mm-hmm. you know, talking about receivers right now, Coach Booknight has to get up there and be able to, you know, penetrate that communication to each individual who learns and listens differently. And th- so that's that interview. The other interview that caught my eyes and ears this week was Keith Hayward coming out and just being honest and really mature obviously he wanted that defensive coordinator job and he came out and said as much quote I definitely want to be the defensive coordinator but he was also really optimistic and positive about Oregon football he said quote coach Cristobal did what's best I'm excited where we're headed if I'm a duck fan I love hearing that from Keith Hayward well there's a more important underlying lesson there uh because here's the here's the thing with Keith Hayward. Right now, he's co-defensive coordinator, safeties coach, coach, you know, co-assistant head coach, or whatever the labels are. He is basically being groomed to be a DC one day. And really, more importantly, we're going to take a step farther. He's being groomed to be a head coach at some point in his career. Still a young guy. Lots, lots, lots of time left for him. Yeah. And there's an important lesson. You know, Mario Cristobal probably had a conversation with with Keith Hayward who they are great friends and have a great relation great working relationship you know probably had a conversation to look say hey Keith you're right there you're my guy I want to help you advance your career and I I need you here I want to help you advance your career you know I needed to put the f- the football program first mm-hmm. I felt that making this hire hiring coach Avalos put our football program the most important part of this equation at the forefront that made us a better team, and that's what I, that's what I that's what I that's my job. So I think the important lesson there for Coach Hayward is at some point when he gets the defensive coordinator, or you know, because he might get defensive coordinator, and you know, he might have an assistant coach under him that he doesn't you know that he loves like his buddy, but just isn't doing a good job. He's gonna have to make a, a tough call there, or when he's a head coach down the line, he might have to make that exact same call. He might have a position coach that's really good friend somebody he admires respects great tremendously but when you've got this type of a candidate out there wanting to come i mean that's what puts your program that that's what makes your program better you got to do it 
We glanced at this idea a couple weeks back when the Avalos hire was announced. I think if you're Keith Hayward, you accept the fact that you're not going to get promoted tomorrow, but this move makes the Ducks a better defense, wins the Ducks more games, and potentially gets everyone on that staff on the national radar. Yep, and when when that happens... Uh, you know, a couple of things that happen. Obviously, if the program's elevated overall, there's more money being infused into the program. It means more more money for assistance. You know, everything kind of changes. So uh, it, it's nothing but a positive. You know, I've said it before. Keith Hayward's being paid generously to coach what he's coaching now. It's going to take somebody to really back up the money truck to lure him away. Uh, and, and again, I know we've talked about this. Avalos isn't here for a long time. No. He's, he's just here for a good time. You know he's he's gonna he's gonna elevate this program for a year or two, maybe three at the most. I would assume they might win a championship along the way, might compete, whatever the goal. You know, I know what the goal is, but whatever might might come. Then he's gonna get a head coaching job somewhere. Yeah, yeah. If not Boise State, somebody will come knocking. At some point, Boise State will come knocking. But if if not before then, somebody else will. And you know that'll be a great hire. Uh, and by that time, who knows? Keith Hayward might be ready. Probably learns a lot from Andy Avalos along the way. Uh, I don't know about you. I saw a video, uh, you know, of Coach Avalos this morning that Oregon put out. He was mic'd up or whatever. I mean, just just awesome. It was a great great little snippet of him working with the players at practices and stuff. Um, every report I've gotten to me privately from my sources say that all the staff is on board with you know what he's doing and absolutely considers him the home run hire we all thought he was Mm -hmm. yeah at the end of the day and and you've gone to conferences you've seen this up close coaches respect coaches and they respect Andy Avalos yeah yeah I mean good coaches know good coaches I mean they do I mean there's uh you know there's a I would have to say this there's a reason that Washington State football under Mike Leach has been so successful last few years they 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 recruit they don't recruit well but they recruit their guys they recruit for their system mm-hmm. and they have some tremendous teachers on staff i mean you saw you know the defensive coordinator goes to ohio state now at oklahoma i mean he you know oregon's pulled away a couple of their you know assistants i mean mike leach has done a tremendous job kind of like mike Bellotti used to do at oregon identifying teachers and talented coaches on the come up and bringing them aboard and you're seeing oregon aware of that and I mean, like Coach Mastro, Coach Wilson, Ken Wilson, Jim Mastro, both those guys are very well respected in the industry. Very good teachers. And fortunately for Oregon, they're on their staff now. Yeah. Uh, every time you mention uh, Jim Mastro, I get a little excited. Yeah. I, I would love... We've we've interviewed a lot of great guests. Yeah. We've had Coach Feld on twice. We've had the big dog, Mario Cristobal. Jim Mastro is like the white whale for me. Oh. I would love to talk to Jim Mastro and just geek out football nerdery. Just pick his brain. He's a uh, he. Is, so a lot of people, because of the way he interviews, they they uh, they liken him to Chip Kelly. Very you know somewhat short with his answers, pretty direct. That's you perfect. Know, some a little bit dry, but he's not. I mean, he's not arrogant. But that's just that's just how he talks. He he doesn't like you know he doesn't like to waste words. He doesn't like to you know, put a lot of fluff around what he's trying to say. He pretty much just has what he wants to say and he gets it out in a couple sentences and that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get him on the show. I did. I, did, I guess. I mean, I, yeah. Coach Mastro, uh, he'll be one of the more interesting ones because I think he's got the more interesting locker room right now. You know, talking about the running back group. I mean, you got Verdell, 
Uh, you got Darian Felix, who's back and by all accounts looking incredibly good. I know the staff was really high on him before he got injured, so he's going to elevate those guys. Uh, you know, Habibi Licchio's back. I mean, you've got so – I mean, Javon Wilson's showing up. you got a lot of dudes that can – help you win football games. I haven't even talked about Die yet. Feel bad not mentioning him, but I mean that's a loaded room. Oh, that, there's a ton of talent in that backfield. Yeah, that's yeah. that's gotta be uh, you know, a little bit of a balancing after him. So yeah, we'll get Coach Master on. That'll be a fun one too. Almost makes you wish the ducks were running the wishbone. Yeah. So much talent <laughs> yeah, in that no, backfield. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Uh, trip uh, triple backfield. Right. Yeah, triple back backfield. That'd be fun. Bust it out. Yep. Just go for it. So that's duck football. Comments from Herbert, comments from Hayward and the way the ducks are spending the off week and you've got something else to address well just i think let's it's time to point out two things first of all you you and i will, will not be able to record a podcast next week i'll be in astoria uh with the kids for spring break and which means uh, the, the reason i bring that up is because football doesn't resume until april 2nd april 2nd or april 4th anyways early april the ducks are back on the field so yeah. there won't be any practice next week there's you know fans that are listening that don't know the schedule you basically have a couple weeks off too away from Oregon football so I just wanted to make sure everybody knew the schedule before we uh moved on that's a good feeling yeah like like I know I know at least for me and I'm sure it is for you as well even though you know you're you're Oregon focused for me it's the colleges and the high schools everybody in Oregon takes off for spring break at the same time yeah so it's just total dead week for me yeah I love it well, yeah, and it'll and and that's that's what makes booking an Airbnb or hotel or whatever hard because everybody's going somewhere <laughs> uh, on on. Uh, but I don't I don't think Astoria is a major travel destination for a lot of people. I'm excited to go. I'm oh, amped yeah. to go. Yeah. Well, I've always I've always thought about it this way, and and now we're going off tangent here, but this is always fun to me. All the Portlanders are going to go to Lincoln City. Yeah. That's like their yes destination. Yeah. All the Eugene people. They go to um, Newport, Newport, and Florence. Yes, yeah, yeah. Nobody goes to Astoria. No, nobody goes. I, I should say nobody goes to Seaside, but they go to Seaside. Yeah. Nobody goes to Astoria or Tillamook. No, like that part, and then and then the south part, Brookings to Gold Beach, empty. Yeah, yeah. perfect. But the, yeah, no, I, I'm excited because um, I've I've done Newport for spring break before, like you said, and it gets. It's, uh, fortunately, I have a friend that has a uh, a condo or whatever over there in newport so i get to stay at it but um yeah we've gone and trying to go out to restaurants and stuff that week it get, yeah like rogue brewing and stuff is just packed so mm. so i'm excited for Astoria. i get to see some of the goonie stuff and uh you know i'm a big goonies fan love that movie my kids have watched it a bunch you mentioned fort george last week on the pod oh yeah and i was listening to that and i thought matt why didn't you ask him about Bowie? Yeah, no, I you know, I have only had a couple Bowie Brewing beers. I you know I, I'm aware of the company, and uh, you know down here we get a little bit of it. We don't get much. Um, so yeah, I'll, I mean you know me, I'm certainly down for. I mean my kids have grown up in breweries, so they're. <laughs> well, I mean you know my, you know my, um, my daughter, my youngest Taylor, she loves chicken strips or chicken fingers or chicken nuggets, whatever you get that everywhere. Yeah. And then, like, three of the other five kids all want burgers. Like, everywhere we go, they want cheeseburgers or hamburgers or put bacon on it or barbecue sauce. But that's it. And then Sounds like bar food. And then my oldest son, Cooper, who just turned 14 this weekend, he loves wings. I mean, like, so literally, we go to a brewery. It's like everybody's got what they want. Man, you guys lucked out. Yeah, I've got beer and they've got food that they want. Mm. And a lot of your breweries these days make their own root beer. 
And the kids love that. That's right. They freaking love that. The last time I took a coast trip, I went south. So I was in, I, I want to say Trinidad, um, out near Patrick's Point, Northern California. Lost Coast root beer. Oh, yeah. Changed my life. Oh. So, so tasty. Yeah. See, Tucker, my 11-year-old, he loves wild. We got Wild River down here. Yeah. He loves Wild River's root beer. Loves it. It's one of his favorite. Mm. Loves it. Mm. Well, we went way off tangent there, didn't we? That's a delicious tangent. Though. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, you want to bring on Kenny Farr? I think it's or? time for the Farr man. All right. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Kenny, so to give you some background, because it's always nice to do and bring guests on. You know, Kenny's the equipment manager. I know he's been, you know, in Sports Illustrated and on ESPN and some other things because he's got a notable job. Yes, he does help handle the uniforms and getting everybody outfitted, but he does so much more than that. Kenny has been with the program for years. He's been around through the chip years. He's He's been through the Helfrich years. He's been through the, the Taggart and Cristobal years. I mean, you're talking about somebody that has seen this program really, f- f- as far as football goes, front and center. Yeah through uh, i mean he's been around for a while and uh he's got some great stories he's built some great relationships um he is one of the real good guys of the world i mean just like a a great person you know somebody that you enjoy being around he's you know he got a great smile he's always laughing um i know the players really like kenny because he just because of what i just mentioned i mean he's just a good dude so uh you know grew up in southern oregon so we'll have a little bit to talk about there and it's just going to be fun to hear him talk. I can't wait. Kenny Farr going to join us next. We've got Kenny Farr. He's the football equipment administrator for the Ducks at Ducks on Twitter. Kenny, whenever we bring on recruits, I like to ask them why Oregon. But with you, it's a little different. You were a student at the university. You were involved when you were at Oregon. And then you left Oregon before coming back, a, a titan in the corporate world. I want to learn, why'd you leave Oregon? You know, for me, honestly, it was more about, you know, I just loved, uh, obviously, growing up a Duck fan my whole life and was uh, fortunate enough to do this as a student and and over for the team. And, you know, I, when I established, got out of college and went out in the real world for a little while, just want, decided it was more about doing something I really was passionate about doing and and uh, some I enjoyed doing. So came back actually when baseball came back. So that's kind of what was my first start full-time was with baseball when we reestablished a baseball program. And I did that for a season. And then uh, Coach Coach Kelly brought me over to football and been there ever since. So it's it's been a good ride. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting ride. Let's, let's, let's start there. Uh, let's start with Chip Kelly, man. You, you know, you worked mm-hmm. with him front and center and, uh, he's at UCLA now, and Oregon fans love him, of course, and Chip did some amazing things. I mean, uh, you hear a lot of takes about Chip, but from somebody that worked with him on a somewhat daily basis, you know, I mean, d- tell us about the real Chip Kelly. Well, um, Chip is a, man, he's a very quick-witted, obviously people know that just from his media stuff, but he's very, very smart, um, quick-witted, so he's always got, you know, a quick reply and he always is but he's really tactical in the way he operates so it's it's always you know he's planning ahead and he's thinking you know he's playing chess while everybody's playing checkers kind of a kind of situation so he's he's uh you know but he was very involved as far as from you know i've had a few different head coaches now but he was very involved in all the smallest decisions that you would think were insignificant 
but for him they were significant. Sometimes you got to learn about that the hard way, so you kind of learn what he wants to know about, what he wants to have influence on from an equipment standpoint, and then uh, you know, and and then go from there. But yeah, he he was you know all the way down to the font on t-shirts. He wanted to have some influence <laughs> on on how big that was. Where you know you know a normal person, even me, I'd be like you know. You know, I thought you'd be more worried about you know how we're going to block this guy or how you know how we're going to get this guy open. But you know, all that stuff was important. And he, uh, tireless worker, um, man, just always you know always he's always in coach mode, man. So he's he was a uh, you know obviously still is, but he's he's really it was really fun to work for him when he was here and and uh, obviously success followed. So it was a good time. That attention to detail just pops out to me. I want to know. What's the biggest difference in your job post Chip Kelly? Well, I mean, it's been different for because each each head coach has their own way of doing things, um, their own style. Um, from all the way from how you know you're going to execute your day to day operations, you know, in season and out out of season. Um, from when you get to you know game days and game weeks, just when we're going to practice. So, you know, when we were um, with with uh, Coach Kelly and Coach Helfrich, we were. Uh, Sundays often we'd have Monday practice, where it is with Coach Taggart and, and Coach Cristobal, where we practice Sundays and have Mondays off. So those are just small little changes that they that they make, and just how they meet, when they meet. You know, when when I was here <clears throat> with Chip, we started moving to morning practices, and and that was a, a change from when I was a student with uh, Coach Bellotti. So you know, just from you know getting in early and getting all your work done, you know, early in the day versus you know, in the afternoons into the evenings and sometimes nights. Um, so, that, you know, just changes like that. Um, but as far as just personalities, they're all, they're all different and they're all coaches and, you know, they, you know, you know, coaches are coaches. So they want the, you know, they want the, the baby, but they don't want the labor pain. So just <laughs> get your job done and uh, do it at a high, you know, high level and, and you'll be all right. So kind of a don't bother me unless there's a problem sort of a deal exactly exactly <laughs> or you know make sure you've run this by me before you just do something um, <laughs> but some of them is a little more important than others but you know yeah it's a it's a it's a great job though i mean honestly man i'm, I'm just so fortunate to do what i do and you know be at a place like this so it's, it's uh, awesome so coach Cristobal, obviously uh, you know in charge now the boss man and um you know, you like you said, you've been through Coach Kelly, you've been through, uh, you know, Coach Helfrich, Coach Taggart. Uh, you know, how is he a little bit different? What do you, you know, what's kind of your take on? Uh, obviously, you're not going to speak badly about the boss, but you know, no. just in comparison, what are some of the things that maybe he does a little bit differently than some of the other coaches? I would say this, you know, about him is he he sets the example for all of us, you know, and that's you know, football. Every employee for football or player or anything, he sets the, a great example. So he's one of those leaders that. You know he's he 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 um, practices what he preaches. So I know, and I'm being an equipment guy. You're you know usually here early and you're you're here late. And and I there's very few days that I'm in before him. And and I and I don't you know that he leaves um, after me. So whenever I get here, his his car is usually the only one here. <laughs> and then when I leave, his car is usually the only one here. So I mean he's a guy that just just grinds away, man. And he he. Uh, you know, I, I have nothing but respect for how hard he works and how bad he wants, you know, to make this place, you know, top level. So, I'm not surprised by that at all. You know, we had no. Coach Cristobal on our podcast, what, probably a month, month and a half ago, right after signing day, and I'm thinking it's the day after signing day. You're going to take a vacation. You're going to kick back, and he did. He flew to Miami, spending some time with his folks, 
and he's calling us while he's on the beach. Like, I, the guy, no days off, no rest. No, I mean, well, when we got back from the Red Box Bowl, you know, it's we got back New Year's Eve at, like, 9 o'clock at night or 10 or, you know, whatever. You know, everybody's tired. It's been a week in San Francisco and the bowl game and just all that leads up to that, you know. And, you know, so I get up the next morning. It's New Year's Day. Uh, the trucks are going to get back from, it's not very far from San Francisco, so we got all of our semis coming back to unload and they're we're unloading them like at noon so i roll in about 10 o'clock you know not a single car anywhere around here on new year's day except for the head football coaches it's, it's already in so i was like wow man this guy it's incredible you know just how how bad he wants to win and you know like i said man he he, he sets the example for all of us about you know just work ethic and and uh doing doing things you know to the maximum uh, that's amazing. I mean, you. I mean, if it was me, I'd just be popping Red Bulls all all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Man, seriously, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he does. It. I know he likes yep. to pop his skim milk on occasion or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Kenny, for for the folks that may not have read an interview or or watched one so far, a uh, couple of just a little bit about what your job entails. What are you doing on a on a day to day basis? I know it changes in season from out of season, but just overall, how would you describe your your work? You know, I, I oversee, you know, I have a, a full-time assistant that works for me, and I have 11 uh, student managers that work for me. So, you know, it's, you know, in college football these days, there's very few weeks off. So when they're, you know, like they'll have, this week they have off for finals, so obviously it's for school, and then they'll have spring break off. But those two weeks, and then a week in summer, and then a week right before we start fall camp are really the only kind of like weeks they have off of football. So, you know, for those for the other 48 weeks, you know, you're in here, those guys are working out, you know, in some capacity almost every day. So obviously it's a lot of laundry. My, my job's more of a, um, I'm out at every practice and obviously at every game and just relationships with those players and making sure I'm providing, the, you know, the services they need from an equipment standpoint. Um, and then, you know, obviously a relationship with Nike and all of our vendors and just managing our inventory and all of our orders and, and uh, making sure that that we have all the things we need on game day, you know, um, and, and practice and, and year round. So when uh, we've talked a little bit about the coaching transition, and I think that's a really interesting part of the job. You mentioned the relationship with Nike mm-hmm. when coach Taggart and now coach Cristobal come in and maybe scale down the uniforms and, and, and simplify it a little bit from a fan perspective. Was that a good thing for you or did you look at that as well i'm a little creatively hamstrung how'd you handle that i mean uh, personally i think you know one of the reasons that obviously our relationship with nike is second to none so you know and and part of the reason that it is that way is obviously our relationship with mr knight and all the alumni that that we're dealing with on a daily basis that provide you know products for our guys and and design and all those things but Part of it is is that you know we've been willing to push the envelope. So when Nike wants to push a new idea or a new concept or a, you know they want to test a new whatever it might be uniform gloves cleats whatever you know we've always been willing to try that stuff. If they go to like some other schools you know their top schools like if they change the color of the shoelaces like it's going to be like they're going to have a riot in the streets. So <laughs> the willingness for us to try those things and to do that stuff and be a good partner with that kind of stuff um, you know which is kind of our tradition now. Um, is to not be traditional, you know, we've, we've developed that relationship where, you know, they, you know, we're, you know, as Mr. Knight would say, we're the, we're just like, uh, we're a top team, but even above NFL. So we're seeing testing stuff and, and doing things that they don't even roll out to any other teams. Um, 
what they'll give to us first. So, and you know, and it ends up being most teams have the same amount of things or the same style of things that we have. Um, and most things we just have more colors or more options or, you know, a lot more stuff. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been really good, um, for us, but, um, as far as the relationship with, with Nike and, and the coaches, it's, you know, the uniforms, that was more about, you know, that was really designed, um, far before we had the co- coaching transitions from coach Tiger to coach Cristobal, you know, it was, that was kind of in the works. And, and part of that, I think was, you know, wearing a bunch of crazy uniforms and changing colors and doing all that stuff. And that stuff is really cool and, and innovative. But when you're not winning games as much as you would like that stuff, it makes you, it, it takes a little bit of the, the shine off that stuff. So I think the idea behind last season was just to kind of get us back to basics. And then, you know, as we go forward into 19 and into 20 and into 21, I think you're, you guys, uh, the fans will be excited about some, the, the way we're going to go. So, oh, there we go. There's like a little, it. there's a little heat. I like that. A little some uniform people. It's funny to me. I think, I mean, just to the people that really are, you know, hardcore about Oregon football. Behind recruiting, uniforms are like a very close second. I mean, <laughs> the people are just, oh, what do we got? You know, are we going to change the numbers? Are we got wings? Are we, no wings? You know, yeah. are the chrome helmets back? Or you know what I mean? Just, it's amazing how uh, just rabid people get about some of oh, that yeah. stuff. It's it's, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you see it. You know, obviously. Uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis, people are probably hitting you up for, hey, something coming up, or what do we got going? Yeah, on? I mean, and we know when fans aren't aren't, you know, they don't like you know a certain color or what we've done with certain uniforms. There's always every once in a while, I'll get a, a nice friendly, uh, you know, voicemail <laughs> from somebody that's letting me know about you know how much they didn't like it, and you know that's just all part of it, you know, and that's you know fans is, I mean, it just. Nobody likes, you know, nothing's ever 100%. Everybody loves it. It's always some, a few people that don't like it, and that's it, right? That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way to please the entire, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just kind of trying to. I pick. mean, you know, the way I look at it, people ask me this all the time, like, what's your favorite uniform com- combination? Or I'm like, man, whatever we win in, you know, really, because if we win, it always makes it look better. So, <laughs> just, you know, that's kind of the, the way I look at it. So that would be like maybe the. Rose Bowl uniform against FSU for you is that one of your favorites? Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> that's a that was a great uniform, you know, because that's a that, that's a that was a big win for our program, you know, to beat a team on a national stage like that, especially a team from the South, and and uh, that was good. That was a that was a great day in Oregon football, that's for sure. Well, and especially the way they did it, you know, I mean, Jamie's yeah, Winston absolutely. coming in hot. Everybody's, you know, Jamie's Winston's Jamie's Winston, you know, a great player and everything, yep. but. The way the defense stepped up in that game, I, I, I know I myself, I didn't expect that to happen. I don't think uh, many fans did. That was No, yeah. Not like that. No, no, but no not like that. That's, that's the good kind of surprise. Yeah. Um, so how much, uh, like how much interaction on a, I guess maybe like on a week to week basis are you, I mean, are, are there, is there, I guess my question is, is there a lot of stuff that we don't even see that, that you guys are trying out and coming through them, and are you just, I mean, pretty consistently working with Nike, or is it just kind of like a couple times a year? Oh, no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a couple times a month where we're, you know, we're testing out, like, you know, we're testing out right now, we're testing out basically for, for new styles of jerseys, so not colors, but just new, they call them chassis, like a car chassis, but we're testing out new chassis that are not going to be released until 21, um, but oh, wow. we're, we're testing them just to figure out how they, you know, when guys, you know, we wear them in practice, and and they look they look very similar. They're marked very similar to our, um, to our practice jerseys. So you know, you could if you look closely, you could tell it's a little different. But they're just 
testing to see how things wear and wash and if they rip or if there's failures and we're trying to figure all that stuff out in practice so we don't have some kind of big you know failure in a game where it's going to you know affect somebody's playing time or obviously make make a you know a big spectacle of somebody's uniform ripping or falling off or anything like that so talking with Kenny Farr he's the equipment administrator for the Oregon football team follow him on Twitter at kfargoducks Kenny as I was doing my research on this, getting some questions together, I was blown away looking at an opening that you have in your department. And I want to ask you about this. You're looking for an intern. The minimum qualifications for this, bachelor's degree and a ton of experience. You want a guy that is a software pro, uh, inventory software, heat transfer graphics software. It all just sounds so scientific to me. And I'll be honest, I, I had no idea how scientific this all is. Do you ever just impress people when you talk about your job and just all the, the management that goes into what you do? You know, I mean, I I guess, you know, the, the eye of the beholder on that one. I, I, I mean, you know, that stuff sounds really scientific, and it is to an extent, but it's just, you know, something that, you know, we want somebody that has, we have inventory control, so any retail store has inventory control, so it's very similar to that, but, you know, where you receive product and you put it into a system, and then when you issue it out to players or staff or anybody, you check it out of the system to that person. So it's a way to, for us to track and keep our, our inventory, um, you know, when we need to order stuff, when we're running low on stuff, you know, kind of the trends of what thing, what's going on with, with everything. And, um, you know, with the, you know, cutting out and heat pressing and doing that kind of stuff, that's just a, a, a computer, you know, a software system that we use where we can, you know, cut out logos and make shirts and make jerseys and kind of do custom custom work, but very similar to like what you would find like at a uh, at a print shop or or anything like that that makes uh, apparel. So, wow. Through the years, you know, we've uh, we've seen Oregon gear on a lot of really famous people. You know, LeBron sure. James, Kobe, mm-hmm. Macklemore. I mean, a lot of a lot of people sporting. I think Timberlake had them on up in Portland. You know, just kind of explain that part of the job to be. I mean, that's got to be. I, I'm sure they're not coming into the office and you're sending stuff, you know, to them to their managers, agents, whatever the case might be. But I mean, how much demand is there for Oregon stuff from some of these, you know, uh, uh, elite popular people out there, if you will? Well, I think too. Part of that is you know, like obviously with our relationship with Tinker Hatfield, and every year they're they're coming up with you know, custom Jordans for our guys. They're very exclusive and very limited. So, you know, those are collector items for, for, uh, for everybody. But a lot of that stuff will, you know, some of that stuff will come through my office, meaning like Nike will reach out to me or, you know, just meeting people along the way, they'll reach out to me. Um, so for example, like Kevin Durant this year, that, that all happened because Jordan Bell was like, Hey, I need to take care of KD. And I was like, okay, we can do that. So (laughs) got him taken care of. And, um, Tim Day, who was a former player here, who helps on uh, LeBron's design team up with uh, LeBron's shoes, reached out to me about LeBron. And so that's kind of, so some of it's kind of connect the dots to get them to them. And then some of them, you know, Nike takes care of. So Tinker obviously has his little, um, his little group of, of shoes and, and he'll send them out to, you know, the celebrities, you know, he wants to or whoever he wants to. So that's kind of how those get out there. And obviously it's a, that's a big, that's a good thing for, for the Ducks. We you know with however many followers and, you know, you know, those guys, those, those you know super celebrities have you know athletes it's you know anytime those guys are wearing Oregon stuff that's good that's good for the Ducks you know to get some get some publicity out there for us so oh absolutely yeah I mean uh you know I, I had uh 
I had Ed Orgeron on a podcast a few years ago, and it was after his US his time at USC, and uh, before he he'd gotten out to LSU, and you know he just couldn't even get over how good of a job of branding Oregon had done as a university, as you know their sports programs, and you know that's a very big part of what you're talking about is getting it out there and branding it, you know, getting it to like you said, uh, you know, LeBron's got a gazillion followers on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Sure. And, just promoting the program it's such a it's a very reciprocative thing if you will that you know both both sides benefit from it um i'm gonna switch gears and i'm gonna get you to loosen up you know you probably have so many stories that are not appropriate to share on the air (laughs) which are the ones we really like to hear but sure i mean have you got a a couple you know fun stories maybe a a pre-game or a post-game fun story that that's something that you know just fans might appreciate that won't get you into any trouble oh let's see a good story Mm, let me think of a Gosh, a good story. I heard there was some pretty good, you know, Chip Kelly pregame, postgame stuff. But you oh might, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a good, that's a good story. So we're we're playing at Stanford, and gosh, was that all the years are running together. But we're at Stanford, we're playing against Andrew Luck, and uh, it was a close game at halftime. We played really well, but uh, halftime, I remember Chip came in, and he was. Uh, <laughs> it was funny. He was. He was all fired up, and he usually is not like that. So Chip is not like a pregame speech guy at all. It was very, you know, it was kind of like his motto was kind of like, you know, you do all that that work during the week. I mean, so nothing I'm going to say right before the game is going to make a big difference. So um, it was very simple and and to the point, and then just go out and take the field and and, uh, play the game. But at halftime of this game, which is one of the only times I ever saw it, he came in flipped a table over and well actually tried first and, they, and it, I think there was the gator the couple of Gatorade things were pretty full so it was kind of <laughs> heavy so he kind of lost it a little bit and then he then he managed to flip it but man the place went nuts and that's it was like uh back in the old Stanford uh, visiting locker room it was almost like a barn with just like you know like pegs on the wall and like a horseshoe <laughs> and he flipped a table over and then people started you know throwing chairs and it was like a wwe match in there and, and it was funny because right as soon as it ends obviously everybody's fired up and they take the field and i'm just looking around and this place is a disaster and i'm looking around and one of our senior administrators is like what are we going to do you know there's broken chairs and stuff i'm like we'll figure it out we'll get it we'll get it fixed so won the game that's great that was another good win man that's it was awesome. That was a great post game. So one of the, the best one of the best parts of my job is um, road games in the locker room after the game is is awesome, man. The flight home, everything is just it's awesome. And it's a great feeling for sure. After a win, of course. After a win, yeah. Losses are kind of rough because <laughs> you got to pack everything up. Everybody's kind of in a bad mood, obviously, and and uh, you know go on on to the next. So I I want to ask you about this. So this one will be fresh in your mind and. You know, this year, most notably, you know, Oregon beats Washington at home. I mean, overtime, you know, the call to, to run Verdell up the middle, you know, mm-hmm. post game on that one. I know you were at home. It wasn't a flight home and stuff, but post game, was that possibly one of the better moments in, in your career at Oregon, just that win and the atmosphere afterwards? I mean, I think so in, in the sense of, you know, over the last, you know, three or four years, man, the, the program's been through a lot, you know, a lot of turnover, a lot of changes, a lot of you know, uncertainty, and, you know, that's obviously a marquee victory over uh, a really good team and, and our, our biggest rival. So, you know, as for Coach Cristobal, I think that's a big win, and, and for our program and the trajectory we're going, you know, that's just a momentum builder, and, 
you know, for our guys to start believing, you know, and and what what's possible here, and, and getting us back to where where we should be. So, um, that that's definitely up there. Um, you know, and it reminded me of back, you know, when I was a student, and you know, we we weren't as dominant as we were, as we are now or have been. It's um, you know, those those you know kind of you know program defining victories where all of a sudden instead of like you know, man, I think we can win. It's like we expect to win. You know what I mean? Because we 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 train hard enough year round and and our guys believe so i definitely think that's uh you know that we'll look back you know 5 10 years from now and say that was you know kind of one of the beginning moments of of you know our rise to the top so our guest is Kenny Farr he's the equipment manager for Oregon football follow him on twitter at far uh, at kfar go ducks kenny i think that's a really good point to look at this year's team and we're not asking you to be Adam Schefter and, and give the scoop or or be some just expert on the X's and O's, but just your perspective, watching practice, being in the locker room, knowing this program as intimately as you do from your angle, how do you think they'll do next year? I, I, I mean, honestly, I'm very encouraged. I mean, you know, part of it is, is our, you know, man, if you, if you were out at our practice, our, our players practice hard, man. They go really, really hard um, and you know, all of them. So to a man, it's, you know, the guys that aren't buying in or aren't committing 100% to, to being their best, you know, those guys stand out because they're the odd man out, you know. So everybody's, there's no Joe Cool and I'm too good and I'm not going to, you know, I mean, everybody's going hard. So, um, you know, just that culture of, you know, competing every single day, you can it's definitely evident um, more than ever right now and after this first week of spring ball. So, I mean, I'm encouraged as I ever have been as far as our trajectory of our program and where we're going this year and next year and, and beyond. Um, and I can't wait, you know, to, to see what we got when we roll out against Auburn here in Dallas in a couple of months. So, um, yeah, man, I'm excited, and I think all Duck fans should be too. And I've been around for a long time. we got a, a lot of talent on this team, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of guys that maybe haven't, you know, I, you know, people don't know their names or they haven't made a ton of plays, but those guys are, are uh, you know, they're, they're – they're up and coming stars so you know, everybody should be excited for that for sure and on the heels of that uh, Kenny because you did mention something that parlays perfectly into my next question uh, I know you don't work in the recruiting offices but you're well aware mm-hmm. of recruiting and and, and and coming in and and hits and misses and tough years and great years I mean just you know I know from where I sit and the interaction that I have I mean have you ever seen a staff work so hard in recruiting to, I mean, did you ever think that a class like Oregon just signed in 2019 was even possible? I mean, what what were some of the things that went into that? I mean, what's kind of your take on just how successful Oregon was in recruiting with with Coach Cristobal? Oh, I think it starts with him. I mean, he it's he does it every day. You know what I mean? He's you know always doing that, always recruiting, always making it a priority every day, which is which is different from from the other staffs I was a part of where maybe that didn't happen, or at least I not that I was aware of. So. You know, he makes it a point that we're we're continuously talking about it. You know, one thing I, I think Coach Cristobal does a really good job of is we're we're continuously year-round bringing um, kids in. So when they come on their official visit, maybe in the fall, this is their third, fourth, fifth time they've been on campus. So they're very familiar with it. It kind of ruins the equipment room tour. I will say that though, because <laughs> they can't show them the same same pair of shoes. You know, for the fifth time, they kind of kind of come up with new stuff, but. Uh, you know, I really think it starts with him, and and I, I really think too. Part of it is is that, you know, um, with these guys, you know, they they 
with the new staff, they, you know, they believe that we can do it. And so, you know, maybe in my own mind, just because I've been here for so long, I was like, man, I don't know. We don't, we don't, the, the state of Oregon doesn't provide enough top level talent to, to, you know, like a, like a California or Texas or Florida that, you know, how do you fill your roster with, with those kind of players? But, you know, these coaches believe you can do it and they, you know, we're continuously refining the the method that they're going to bring kids in here and, and the message we're going to sell them as far as what, what Oregon has to offer. And, Man, it and it's incredible, and and I really think that those guys do a good job of. It's more about personal relationships than you know uniforms and all this other stuff. That's just kind of a, a bonus, you know, to come to Oregon, it's, you know. But it's more about the relationships that our coaches are continually building, building with these their prospects and their families, and and uh, and it's continuously working at that. And so, and you see what see what it can do for you. So I'm, you know, man, I, I'm encouraged for what we got coming for this class and. You know the kind of guys we've been bringing in on these unofficial visits, and and uh, man, I think you know, man, this is hopefully the, this is the start of uh, of a continuous top five class every year kind of deal. Well, not earlier on the podcast, leading into this, I mentioned you know it's kind of a snowball. You know, you build that snowball, it gets bigger, bigger. You know, sooner or later, it kind of gets hard to stop it. But like you said, you got to start the snow snowball somewhere. So that's kind of sure. that's kind of where we're at now. Uh, you know. I know that they're right in your area there. I mean, are these photo shoots as legendary as they sound? I mean, they're pretty, pretty hype when they bring these guys in. Oh man. Yeah. It's loud. Tons of energy. Um, man, they, yeah, they, the, and it, the, you know, and the great part about it is, is our staff has gotten a lot bigger since I first started here. So with analysts and GAs and, you know, just the amount of staff members we have recruiting staff, et cetera, but you know, everybody's involved. So there's, you know, when we go to these photo shoots for, for one kid, there's 30 coaches or staff members <laughs> with them. So, you know, it's it's awesome though that you know everybody at, to to a man in the program is committed to to recruiting and and um, you know and what get making the best impression on these these young men that we can you know while they're here for their short time. I love that you ask that question, Justin, because I saw the picture from the Casey Falcons shoot the other day. Yeah. Uh, Lake Oswego kid, probably the the top in state recruit. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in in a couple years, and uh, just I was blown away thinking, how do you get fifteen coaches to all look fired up like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, they they do it. I mean, and I think that's what you know, coach preaches every day. That's how important it is, you know, talent acquisition. So, you know, that we'd make a we place a premium on bringing in you know the best players that fit our system and what what the the ideals for our program are and. And, you know, that can play a little bit and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, and when, you know, it's a big deal, you know, and I have, I have three young kids, but, you know, when I send my kid to, kids to college, I want to know that they're going to be taken care of and that, you know, the, the people that are going to be around them every day are going to be looking out for their best interests. And I think, you know, everybody in every department here does a good job of conveying that, you know, that will happen. So if they're coming from Florida or Alabama or Texas or somewhere back east, that when they get here, you know they're going to be they're going to be well taken care of. So um, we just try to do do our best and and out people you know other schools. Kenny, uh, a while back I uh, I don't remember you. I think you were you were coming home. You were coming to Grants Pass, and uh, I think I tweeted something at you about going somewhere. Yeah, I think it was your your wife that tweeted at me that you were heading heading home because you wanted your mama's meatballs or something was your favorite. Uh-huh. I can't I can't remember what it yeah. was. Something like that. Uh-huh. What do you, what do you, uh, how often do you get back down to Grants Pass? 
You know what? I don't go very often, a couple times a year. Um, and the reason why is my family's all lives down there, so they come up here so often for games that I see them quite often. And, you know, to be honest, there's, and with this job, there's not a lot of days off, though, where you can just uh, go, go away. So it's usually, you know, maybe an hour or two in the office on an off day and then, you know, the rest of the day off. So, so my family does a, is, is pretty good about coming up here, so I get to see them quite a bit. But a couple times a year, I'll get down there and I always try to go see some old friends and, uh, you know, go to some of my old, old spots and, you know, just kind of enjoy, enjoy uh, Southern Oregon. Yeah, it's definitely changed uh, through, through the years. Uh, you know, Grant's Pass done a, such a good job, you know, of the downtown kind of reviving yep, that a little yep. bit. That uh, that Dutch Brothers money's really uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt, really kicking yeah. in. But no, I mean, it, and you were let's see. So I was class of '97. You were pretty close, I think. '97. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's uh, it's funny when you think back to you know the first Dutch Brothers coffee stand. That's yeah, still oh yeah. There. And then they had yep. like the one that was in Fred Meyer in the store. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. And then, you know, people yeah. be like, oh, I, you know, it's crazy now. Yeah, see how big that thing is. I, mean, I should have got in on that when I was, when I was, uh, when I was young. I know a few of my um, buddies did when it was still, you know, just a baby of a of a corporation, and now, you know, they're they're doing pretty well for themselves because of it. So, so well, but it's awesome. I went to school with all the kids. You know, boys, uh, my kids, and right. yeah, it was, that's awesome to see that that how that things come up. Yeah, and it's great. You know, obviously, you know, Travis got kids now, and he's really yeah. involved in soccer with his kids oh, and yeah. stuff, and. You know, my kids have played against, uh, you know, Grants uh-huh. Pass a bunch, and it's oh, sure. they got all the, f- you know, the fresh uniforms and all the clothes. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's great that he's doing that. I mean, it's giving back, and I know he does. I know that you know they do a lot uh, with that family. But it's just like you said, I had the same thing. I'm I'm thinking back in high school, you know, right out of high school, it's like, man, these people are crazy putting fifty grand into these top coffee stands or whatever they were at yep. the time. They weren't much. And, exactly. and now they're, you know, half a million dollars yep. to buy one or yep. whatever. Exactly right. And they're all making money. So all making money. Yeah. We, we I love sh- coffee. That, that would be a do over for, for us, Kenny, to go yeah, back. Exactly. Right. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. No, funny, funny story about that is, uh, you know, my old boss from a while back, uh, went and bought Travis had a, a street bike. He had like a, I don't remember. It was like, it's Honda 600 or something like that. And he was selling it. And it was in the in this in their barn in the family barn there. And he went to go buy it from Travis. And you know he's looking at the bike and whatever, and happens to look over and sees like he didn't know, but it was a coffee machine, big, huge, you know, like they use now. One of oh those. wow, yep. And he looks over, he's like, "What the hell is that thing?" He's like, "Oh, it's a coffee machine. I'm gonna open up a coffee stand. That's why I'm selling my bike. I need some money to get it going." And you know he remembers at the time going what an idiot you know and it's like yeah. unbelievable yeah maybe not <laughs> wow yeah whoops yeah whoops uh he, he no longer has the bike either so <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and i'm just, yeah travis can buy a whole he can buy a whole probably bike company now so he's he's doing all right he's doing all right well uh can <laughs> we i know you've got work to do even though the coaches are gone you've got stuff to do we appreciate your time man and and i want to have you on again i know you don't get many days off but we, we want to get you back on I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Take care. That was Kenny Farr, Ducks Football Equipment Administrator, at Ducks on Twitter. Now let's change focus and get you the most exciting story all March. The Oregon men have won four games in four days. They have punched their ticket to the big dance. The Oregon ladies are the two seed in Portland. Let's talk basketball. 
basketball, then we'll lock it in at some point because I have some predictions about these teams. I'm so excited about these teams. Uh, let's let's take a step back though. Take the Bill Walton time machine to beautiful Las Vegas, <clears throat> land of liberty. The Ducks winning four games in four nights. What was the biggest surprise to you, Justin? Um, I think overall, well, obviously the fact that they did win all four games. And then I'd have to say, no question, the biggest surprise is the way they beat Washington in the final. No doubt. I mean, just smashed them. Wasn't even close. Um, so as far as, as as a surprise goes, that that's number one. But, you know, secondly would just be, you know, I know ASU was a tough game. Um, it would just be the way that Oregon won. I, they played good basketball, uh, and then that's how they won. Um, you know, Peyton Pritchard uh, elevated his game. I thought he had some rough moments still, which is to be expected, but he had some superb moments too, more more superb than rough. Um, you know, I, I just I, the, again, we've talked about the women and the way they play ball and, and the team. I, I thought the men mirrored that probably the most that we've seen all year through the through the final and, and i mean just an amazing it was just an amazing there's really no words for it especially yeah. for them to finish to finish the season the way they did you beat washington to end the regular season then you beat washington to win the pac-12 tournament and ultimately i mean let's face it i mean probably until about halftime of that final game nobody expected oregon to be in the tournament in march madness ncaa mm-hmm. tournament yeah and boom, I mean, there they are. I mean, and now we're talking about them, you know, being there to upset Wisconsin. I mean, just, it's it's crazy. It's all crazy. Four wins in four nights. Wazoo is one, okay? Mm-hmm. They were the second worst team in the Pac-12. You can convince me Oregon wins that game. You can convince yep. me that Oregon beats Utah in the quarterfinal, a team that they beat earlier in the year. Yeah. And maybe they're close with Arizona State, but three games in three nights to go to overtime with ASU and slug them and beat them and then turn around and on your fourth game, no rest, and it's finals week for these college kids. They are exhausted, not just physically, but mentally, to turn around and spank Washington the way they did. I did not see that coming. No, I think, and the crazy part is, obviously beating Washington's big, the way they beat ASU was, I mean... First of all, they were getting called for walking down the court, it seemed like. I, I thought that was a really poorly officiated game. Uh, way too many whistles. It, it broke up the, pl- the pl- gameplay completely. I mean, it was just, I mean, every 12 seconds there was a whistle. I mean, it was a very tough game to watch. But w- coupled with that was the fact that, you know, Kenny Wooten got into trouble early, really didn't play any of the first half. Uh-huh. Didn't play all that much of the second half, played more, but not all that much. I mean, that is a huge wrinkle to this Oregon team, and they still, I mean, you just figured out a way to slug through that game. You know, once they won that game, the way they did, it gave me real hope that they would compete against Washington just because, hey, man, that was a slugfest. That took some real grit, you know, to get through that ASU game, and now you get Washington, and I thought that would give them some confidence. And it did, and and they beat Washington. They got to tear down the nets and find out that they are the 12 seed Going to San Jose in the South region. Yes. Great, a great spot for them. You know, I thought 12 was a little low. Uh, I thought they could have been as high as 10, 11 if you really wanted to. But I think that landed them in a favorable spot overall. I agree. I thought 12 was too low. I know the Pac-12 is not great this year. Right. They're, they're still 
analysts nationwide joking about how the Pac-12 was a low major. Yes. And they should have been a one-bid league. But if you're Oregon and you not only win four games in four nights and take two out of three this year with Washington, the best team in your conference, you also win, what, eight straight games now and have a smothering defense and a formula to win against anybody in the world. I think the Ducks could have been seeded higher, but they land in a region that really suits them. Yes. They're, they're close to home, San Jose. That's going to be a green and yellow crowd. They play a Wisconsin team that they match up with really well. Yeah. And if they win, a K-State team that I don't think has played a schedule like the Ducks have played. Right. Right. And, I mean, we heard uh, Coach Altman mention it. They scrimmaged K-State you know, earlier uh, in the, well, I guess in the winter, fall last year is what that would have been. Uh-huh. So there's some, you know, they do understand that program and, and their strengths and weaknesses. And sure, it wasn't a, a game per se, but they, you know, that that does give them a chance to kind of know your foe a little bit. So, yeah, I, like you said, you know, w- will they get the travel support that they did in Las Vegas? Uh, probably not, but you're going to get good travel support in San Jose. You're probably going to have the most pro-Oregon crowd there of any of the schools in the San Jose area. So, I mean, that's a yeah. plus, That's a plus, especially yeah. an open that game. I doubt many Wisconsin fans will make it out. No, I don't think the uh, Bay Area Wisconsin boosters are going to be out too strong. Be out but, in full force. But yeah. I know a lot of Duck fans there in the Bay that Absolutely. are pretty stoked for this. Yeah, Oregon is very strong in Northern California, no question about that. And, uh, you know, like you said, uh, the matchups along the way, should Oregon uh, at least win and beat Wisconsin, I think the matchups continue to, to be good until they run into, I think it's Virginia, if they get far enough. That's who I have. Yeah, they would get, yeah, more than likely run into Virginia, I would wager, I would guess, if they can get that far, uh, which a lot of folks f- figure that's the end of the road for Oregon if that, in fact, does happen. But even if you end in the Sweet 16, this team... With, with Bull Bull being hurt, and I brought this yeah. up on my radio show yeah. yesterday, yeah. a great interview with your guy, Alan Johnstone, by the way. He um, loves hoops. You can tell. Yeah. You no, can he, tell. He loves hoops. I asked Alan, I said, hey, you're a student, you followed this team, Final Four run two years ago, and, and, and seeing this team and everything just like a, a balloon being popped when Bull Bull got hurt. All the deflation, all the disappointment that rang around Oregon basketball. If you could go back in time and tell yourself on the day that Bull Bull was announced out for the year, the Ducks are going to win four games in four nights. Right. They are going to cut down the nets in Vegas, punch their ticket to the big dance, and potentially run to the Sweet 16 without Bull Bull. Would you believe it? Well, let's face facts. Nobody in their right mind two weeks before the regular season ended, even remotely considered this team in contention to go to the NCAA tournament, let alone win the Pac-12 tournament. Before Oregon went on that run there to end the season, I mean, we're all kind of like, like, all right, well, I mean, Bobo went down earlier. We knew what we were getting. Yeah. And then next thing you know, it's like, you know, they start, they went, oh, they won a game. Great. Well, they won two games. What's going on here? Wait, you know, won three games. But, you know, I mean, it's just... Really surreal at the last few weeks of of Oregon basketball, what has actually transpired. And like you said, taking it all the way back to the beginning of the season in the wake of a bowl bowl injury, you missed Kenny Wooten for some time a little bit here and there. You know, Francis Socorro didn't start out ready to go, but obviously has developed late in the year. Uh, You know, I mean, just a lot of 
and I know he didn't say it on Monday, but you you know as well as I do, there was a lot of frustrations with Dana Altman and the way the team oh yeah played most of the year. You, you see it on Scoop Duck, man. Yeah. There were people calling for his head. Right. There Which, were people freaking out when they lost to Texas Southern. Right. And and now Dana Altman can say, I'm still on top. Yeah, I'm the dude, man. I mean, don't. Yeah, you don't. I mean, yeah. You, it, the, I, I guess I'll say this for me. I don't. I cannot envision another coach as good as Dana Altman ever coming to Oregon to coach Oregon basketball. He is a tremendous coach. He's been a tremendous coach since he got here. I mean, if Oregon's going to make the investment to lure a big name away, that's great. But I'm not sure that it happens. Dana Altman's yeah. been the best thing to happen to Oregon basketball in quite some time. Yeah, I look at it this way: he's definitely the best men's basketball coach in the building. Absolutely. If you want a better basketball coach, well, he's not going to take that men's job because he's got a pretty good one on the other side, Kelly Graves. Yeah, Kelly Graves getting it done over there. And again, you know, we're going to we're going to yeah. That, this is us segueing in, uh, into the women's basketball. Another great draw. Yes, a two seed could have been a one seed, but you really lucked out. Four in-state games potentially. Yes. Yeah. So so. They host the first two rounds at Matt Knight Arena. Friday, they've got Portland State. Right. If they win, we assume they win, right? 215 matchup, they're going to win. Then they play Sunday. And then Sweet 16 and Elite Eight are up in Portland. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like you said, you and, and, and it's the teams along the way, too. You got very favorable matchups, depending on who wins, of course, but you've got very winnable games in that bracket. Yeah. Uh, eliminated a lot of landmines you could have faced in other brackets. Um, like, you know, again, you get to play your first two games at home. You're going to have a, hopefully a hell of a turnout for crowd support at those two games. I'm sure they'll travel well to Portland too, assuming, you know, Oregon continues to advance. I think you'll get a strong, you know, crowd of support in Portland. I mean, that is a, a great, great setup for Oregon to the Oregon women in, uh, in this. And I know a lot of people wanted them to be a one seed. I think they landed in a sweet spot. I agree. I agree. You, you'd rather not be a one seed and and have these four games in state. Yes. Talk about travel. Talk about just the, the, the stress of, of not being in your own room. And Kelly Graves talked about this when they were in Vegas for the Women's Pac-12 tournament. The difference between sleeping in your own bed, yeah. eating your own meal, and and being on campus and taking care of your classes right there versus all of the logistical nightmares that you have to deal with when you are in a, in a travel situation compounded by the pressure of being in a playoff right. where you need to survive in advance. It's a lot easier for Oregon. And I agree with you. The crowd should be phenomenal. Yeah. That should be an asset for the Ducks. They have Portland State. Either Indiana or Texas. I got Indiana in my women's bracket, but that's just, for me, a little bit of selfish reasons there. I know one of the players on that team. And then Sweet 16, you've got Ducks, likely Syracuse. Guess what? They beat them at the start of the year. Yeah. If they win that game, they likely play Mississippi State. Guess what? They beat them in the first month of the year. Yep. This is a great matchup for Oregon. They yeah. could go all the way. Yeah. No, this is this is this is you know you know of course everybody well you still got to win the games of course you got to win the games but I mean in terms of getting the right kind of draw this is I mean it's a great great opportunity for Oregon which you know which I said 
before the season even started, this could be their year, and it certainly looks like it has the potential to be so. I actually think the loss uh, to Stanford at the end of the year was a good thing. I mean, I, I know it's great to win the Pac-12 tournament and all that. Again, I think that loss was a great thing for Oregon. Chip on the shoulder. Yep, a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, a little bit of a, okay, hey, we're not invincible. Let's get back to doing our thing, and they will. I trust Coach Graves and the players. Um, if there's a team that's resilient and can survive that, I think it's this team. There's two kinds of games that I think change your program that way. One kind of loss is a team strategically owns you. Yeah. Right? This was not that game. No. This was not a game that UConn and Notre Dame and Baylor and Mississippi State can look back on in film and say, okay, that's how you beat Oregon. This was a game where the Ducks beat themselves. Yeah. Just tired legs. They could not get shots up. They could not leap for rebounds. And they're going to look back and say, we know how to fix that. Yeah. And you had a Stanford team that was gunning for you as hard as they they had – they had that one circled. You, yes. You had a 40-point embarrassment loss early. They they knew if they were going to play Oregon again that that was a big game. You know, so like you said, it was a, it was a you know, uh, uh, kind of a disaster of storms, if you will. I mean, just, just a perfect storm for Stanford against Oregon. Now big picture. And, and I want to get into lock it in eventually, but just your perspective on the brackets. Are there any... Um, any teams that you you follow, read about, any stories that you care about heading into the, the madness that is going to ensue on Thursday? Um, you know, I, I tend to stick in my little bubble. Um, you know, uh, overall, like if we're talking about the men's tournament, which I assume we are, you know, I usually pay most attention to Pac-12 teams. Of course, follow Oregon if they're in it, you know, then, then the Pac-12 teams outside i'll be really interested to see what washington does as i think they built were nine seed is where they ended up which blew me away yeah which blew me away too a little bit um but i think it also shows how little respect that the pac-12 has garnered among you know the analysts and the and the, and the guys that follow uh ncaa basketball closely um as far as that goes, I think Buffalo is a team that can surprise some people. I think Tennessee is playing about as good as basketball as anybody right now. Um, but at the end of the day, this is Duke's world, and we're all living in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Zion. Zion's taking over. The question I have for them is I actually don't have them coming out of their region. I like Virginia Tech. But how much can Zion carry them? Because I think – they might not be the best team in the tournament, right? But he is by far and away the best player in the tournament. And when R.J. Barrett's on, he's a v- exceptional player too. When he's cold, he's it, we've seen that we've seen good and bad R.J. Barrett, but we've seen a lot of really good Zion. And and uh, you know, at the end of the day, if Duke's smart, you know, one two of the things that stick out to me always when you're talking about March Madness, if you have a big man, I think that gives you a leg up on most games. Mm-hmm. If you have an experienced point guard, that gives you a leg up in most of your games. The third one is, do you have a coach with experience in the tournament or experience overall? That that gives you a leg up. I think Duke's got two of the three. I mean, they've got a good point guard. I don't know that they've got an elite. Well, they have an elite athletic point guard, but it doesn't mean that he can lead the team. And I think that's been the biggest knock against Duke. They struggle offensively like we've seen with Oregon at times. No rhythm, guys standing around, and they don't get the ball into Zion, which is what they should be doing. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, that guy should have 50 points every game, and there's no reason not to. The, the joke I heard on Twitter the other day was, yeah, don't give it to Zion because he's only going to hit 90% of his shots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it just it makes zero sense to me. I mean, he's either going to score the bucket or get fouled going to the bucket. Yeah. Every time. Every time. So if Duke figures that out, which I've figured out, and I'm not even a genius, you know, that should be that should be the focus. I still think Duke can get out of that. Um, you know, North Carolina does have the talent to beat them. Uh, you know, we'll see how they do. But, yeah, I think Tennessee is another one to watch right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Marquette's another one that's kind of interesting to watch as well. I'm not the basketball aficionado. If we were talking about football, I'd, I'd have it known front to back. But those are just some of the ones that have stuck out to me at this particular moment. I'm excited, though. I love March Madness because when you're somebody that works from home like I do, there isn't crap on TV to watch all day. I can turn on the four-screen thing and watch four basketball games all day long, and it's awesome. Okay, one more question, because you got me fired up now, and then we'll go to lock it in. Football. Yeah. If we had a bracket, say we had 16 teams, because we can't go 64. It's just no. too many too many games, no too way. many teams to filter out. But if we had 16 teams, will we ever see a 16 beat a 1 like we did in hoops? In football? Yes. Okay, so you I guess you're somewhat asking about expanding the current playoff scenario. Yes. Setup. Would it ever be as exciting as the NCAA tournament? It wouldn't, but I, I've I have been a big proponent. 16's too many. So I, for no, for starters, I just think you know football's a different animal, so it's a lot tougher for me. I've always been a big proponent, and I've said since the day they came out with the four-team playoff scenario, I think eight teams is perfect. I think you can do eight teams. I think you can have, you can run it effectively. Um, you can you still ha- have tons of teams for all the bowl games that need all the money from sponsorships and stuff that they need for revenue in that area. I think you can do eight teams effectively. And I think last year was a perfect example of most years. Those top eight teams outside of the top one or two, usually anybody can kind of beat anybody. I mean, you, you know, you could have, you know, LSU beating Oklahoma or you could have Penn State beating Ohio State. I mean, you had eight teams there that you could literally pencil and say, hey, look, yeah, this, these could all be close games. And I think that's the case most years. Now, of course, number one and number two are going to be the favorites because they are number one and number two, deservedly so. So if you're talking about Alabama and Clemson, yeah, are they better than most of the teams? Sure, they are. But at the end of the day, you could you could have a pretty good run of playoff game. I think eight's the number for me. I think you could do eight, and I think it would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think eight would just be an absolute blast. Yes. Anything more than that, I think it starts getting a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't say. App State can't beat Alabama. Well, I mean, at that point, you start having like two and three lost teams in there against, you know, Alabama's undefeated or lost a game or, you know, Clemson or, you know, I think a one-loss Georgia or, you know, and we're talking football again here, you know, a one-loss Georgia or even, you know, a, a, a two-loss Ohio State. Overall, it's going to come down to how much actual – athletic talent do those teams have do they have the roster and the depth to basically compete with the elites which are alabama clemson georgia i mean those Mm -hmm. those teams no question have great athletic talent and depth that's why they're at the top and great coaches all three things that you need on a basketball court as well let's go back there quickly uh lock it in lock it in basketball ducks are going dancing let's start with the men what do you think is going to happen 
Well, men, if we're talking about it, lock, my lock of the week for the men, I think Wisconsin wins. Really? Yeah. See, I, I have them beaten Wisco, yeah. and I have them going to the Sweet 16, but I'd love to hear... Why does Wisconsin win that I, game? So I, I have, don't get me wrong, I have my bracket with Oregon winning. You know, I'm, it's a scoop duck bracket, so I didn't want to upset the masses, but I did pick Oregon in that. I do believe that Wisconsin's going to win. I, if, uh, number one, the Pac-12 isn't very good this year. It wasn't. And okay. even through the tournament, as, as brilliant as Oregon played, as well as they played, as awesome as the story has been for the last few weeks, they were beating mediocre teams at the end of the day in my opinion yeah. even washington yeah which is why washington's a nine seed they're not a you know a three or four or five or six seed they're a nine seed for a reason and as great as that win was as great as the peyton pritchard dunk was i just don't think oregon's that good wisconsin plays terrific defense we know that um this is definitely going to be a contrast of styles uh if you go back and you look at uh if you go back and look at the the betting money right now um, the the smart money the 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 guys who do this for a living their money's on Wisconsin, not on Oregon and and I I, I think it's 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 really easy to stay on a high when you're on a high but now Oregon's gonna have a week off ish before they play again they're gonna come crashing down a little bit I think Wisconsin gets them I'm sorry guys. Don't don't burn down my site. <laughs> a plea from Justin to the world. Hey, go easy on him. I think you're the voice of logic right there. Uh, I don't agree. I don't personally have Oregon losing, but I understand the logic. I get it. I think the Ducks are going to the Sweet 16. Now let's talk Oregon ladies. On that note, I'll follow it up. If Oregon beats Wisconsin, I think they can get to the Sweet 16. Okay. I do agree with that. That's fair. That's I just, fair. I just don't know that they get past Wisconsin. I agree that Wisconsin is tougher than the second round. Yeah. I think Wisconsin's tougher than K-State. Yes. Oregon ladies now, I'm really close to, to having them all the way. Yeah. I think, I think so our lock of the week this week is, you know, will they win? Yeah, they'll win. I'm, I'm certain they'll get out of the Eugene Regional. They'll get up to Portland. Uh, and I, and I think they'll do their thing in Portland. Uh, you know, I don't want to predict them all the way on this podcast as my lock it in that they win a championship, but I do believe that they'll end up in the, uh, in the final four. Okay. That's fair. Cause we don't want to jinx them. Right. If, if we go out and we say, Hey, bet everything on the ladies, no doubt they're going to take home a trophy. Then Portland state pulls off an upset for the ages on right. Friday. Right. But everything is lined up for this team. Great bracket. Great coaching staff, great roster. They've matched up with the opponents that they are likely going to face. And they catch... They won't play Notre Dame until the title game. Right. So they'll be fired up in that game. And if they play UConn, they catch UConn on the worst UConn year the Huskies have maybe had in a decade. Yeah. And Oregon's healthy. And Oregon's healthy. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. So, you know, same thing applies to the women as it does to the men, in my opinion, uh, in terms of a championship-caliber team. Do you have a great coach? Check. Kelly Graves is a great coach. Do you have a really good point guard? Check. Oregon's got that on lockdown, too. Do you have a big man? Big woman in this in this instance. Check. Ruthie Hebert's among the elite out there uh, at her position. And she's healthy now. And that's the thing. Oregon's healthy. They, they check the three boxes for me that you're looking for in a championship team. Um, 
I, I, like I say, I think I think Final Four is, is is undoubtedly in range for this team. I'm with you. We'll, we won't say national title. We won't jinx this team, but Final Four, I like it. Absolutely. A couple of good locks. All right, now the spring sports. Just real quick, we're just going to spend a minute there because you brought it up at the top. I think it's a good idea. Get into baseball, softball. DeLuca unloads on one to left. Back to the wall. Out of here. So there's two kinds of people in the world. Glass half full. You beat Washington in extras in a thriller. Glass half empty. The previous two days, Washington slapped you around. They throttled you. Where are you when it comes to the the weird series the Ducks had on the diamond? Uh, I mean, I like I, I prefer to think of myself as an optimist. I, I think there was some good to take away from. Uh, you know, it takes a lot to get your butt whooped like that, and then be able to go out there the third day and muster something up. And Oregon did. You know, Washington clearly didn't didn't really get it done on Sunday. Um, offensively for themselves, but you know Oregon was able to squeak one out. I think it's a moral victory more than anything else. Um, but you can't, you cannot ignore the fact that they got absolutely smoked the first two games. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, sure, my glass is half full. But I mean, I I guess my glass was barely half full to start this season with regards to to men's baseball to, to Oregon baseball. So um, I'm still kind of in wait and see mode with these guys. I think wait and see is a great way to put it. The optimism that you built up with that Hawaii series and the Texas Tech opening series, all that sort of gets flushed. Yeah. But it doesn't really go away until this next series. Uh, They've got number 20 ASU coming to Eugene. Sun Devils are the only unbeaten team in college baseball. That's a really good team and a great story. Yeah. That'll that'll make them tough to beat. Yeah. So, (laughs) so... And George Horton has his detractors. I think about the opinion piece that made the rounds last year in the Register Guard. He has a lot of fans that are critical of what he's built, and you've brought up the, the small ball complaint before. I get it, and I think this really is a test of it this weekend. If they come out and they take two out of three from Arizona State, get back on track, all the pressure's off. But if they come out and they lose two out of three or they lose all three, you know there's no shot for Oregon this year. Yeah, I, I mean it, it seems early to to go with that, but I you know I I guess it de- you know again it depends on how good this team can get between now and you know the next two three months. But uh, you know I just I consider them what they are. They're probably a, a middle of the pack type of a team this year. That's where I think they're at. I think they might win some games, but you know they're definitely going to lose some games and. You know, a team like Arizona State's clearly clicking on all cylinders right now, so makes them a very tough foe to beat. And I think you can say the same about softball. Nine-game losing Ugh. streak for the ladies. Brutal. And embrace yourself, Duck fans, because it might get worse before it gets better. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Washington, coming to town for three games at the Jane this weekend. Oh, geez. How about just how busy... Oregon Athletics this weekend. Man. Baseball was hosting three games. Yeah. Softball is hosting three games. Bas- women's basketball. And women's hoops are hosting a whole like semi-regional of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Dragon Field kicks off this weekend, too, if I recall correctly. So what you're saying is don't drive to Eugene. Yeah, don't drive to Eugene. <laughs> Although there will be a poll of fans going to San Jose, I'm sure, for uh, for for this weekend. But yeah. 
uh, softball nine game skid what seemed so promising to start and kind of gave us room for optimism just seems like it's been absolutely squashed the last few weeks so yeah. um, you know we'll see I I, I, I want to say I think that was a bit to be expected just because I'm I'm not sure overall that that team had the talent you know I'm sure some of those girls are getting tired because they're playing a lot there's not a lot of depth behind them hell there's not a lot of girls on the on the roster overall i was just gonna say (laughs) it is a it's a tiny roster and i I get this in softball especially you don't need 10 pitchers right you're gonna have girls that they will have complete game after complete game after complete game because their arms don't get tired the same way right but you still need depth in the field yes you need a backup shortstop backup center fielder that's gonna come into play and right now the ducks don't have half of that no no, and and you know they're still figuring each other out. You know the the coach is still figuring out her players, probably figuring out how to commute communicate to some of them. You know specifically the the players. You know vice versa. You've got some young players coming into a new program. Um, you know it, it's tough and it's unfortunate that they've hit this streak. But uh, um, you know again, if we if we circle back to the beginning of the season, I didn't see this as a championship caliber softball team. They've probably still played above expectations to this point, so I guess we'll see if they can turn around. All right. That's everything. We uh, like – I should say I like men's hoops. Yeah. I like men's hoops. We both like the ladies to, to do well, and then we'll see what the, the spring sports can get done in the coming days. Scoop duck and hi-fi. Anything else you want to hit before we wrap up? Nope. Uh, probably won't be an episode next week, guys. With uh, Like I said, uh, you know, there's no football next week. Uh, I'll be in Astoria, which makes me coming into the uh, studio here really hard. You don't say. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, have a good week, and we'll, we'll be back at it again. Uh, let's see. That'll be like early April, I think. Okay. April. Football season. Here we go. I can do this night like all day long.